I felt like God had given me a word last night for this weekend, a prophetic word. And it was a really simple phrase. You can run, but you can't hide. And God is wanting you to know today that he brought you here for a reason. You thought you were coming with your mom. You thought you were coming to be with someone that's invited you. But God brought you here because he wants to have an intimate and personal encounter with you. And to tell you that you are loved by God. That he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So I just want to welcome you. And you may be seated. Well, it is a great honor and privilege for me to be able to speak to you on Mother's Day. My husband has been communing with God in the woods in Kansas, and I'll let you guess what he's been doing. He started his vacation a week earlier than I did, and we are going with, as a family to uh, Colorado next week. Uh, our daughter, Rebecca, is going with us. She is here and getting ready to go in June to South Africa on an internship. And our son and our grandson and our daughter-in-law are joining us, and so we're really excited about that. But I felt like God had given me a word for this weekend. He started birthing this word in my heart over two weeks ago, almost three weeks ago. I started writing down notes, and God just has been speaking to me day after day, adding to my notes, adding to what I'm supposed to say. So we're going to jump right into our scripture, and the, the title of my message today is The God Who Sees. The God Who Sees. Exodus 3, 7, and 8. The Lord said, I have seen the troubles my people have suffered. I have heard their cries. I'm concerned about their pain. And I have come down to save them. God wants you to know that he has seen you when you cry. He has seen you when you are hurting. He has seen you when you were suffering. And God wants you to know that he's heard your cries. His ears are not deaf. The children of Israel accuse God of being a deaf and blind God. And he replied to them, is the maker of eyes not able to see? And is the maker of ears not able to hear? We often accuse God of saying, you, don't, you, just, you just hadn't heard me. You just don't see me. You've forgotten about me. That was, but God's told the children of Israel in Exodus, I've heard you. But let me tell you something. It was 600 years that they had been suffering. 600 years that they had been captive in Egypt. Have you ever felt invisible to God? All alone, that no one understood your pain or the fear you lived with? I know there have been times when I felt like my prayers were falling on deaf ears, that maybe God had forgotten about me, that I questioned whether there was even a God in heaven or that he cared. But today I want to talk to you and tell you God sees you. You're not invisible. He's not forgotten you. You're not insignificant, that you're, but you are known personally and that he loves you. Whether you're a single mom here today, whether you are a widow or a widower, whether you're divorced, 
whether you feel unwanted, maybe you've lost your business, maybe you've lost your home, maybe you've lost someone near and dear to your heart. What I want to tell you today is God knows you, God loves you, God sees you, and God wants to rescue you. Today, I'm going to tell you about the God who sees, the God who hears, and the God who saves. And in doing this, I'm going to tell you the story of four women. Two of them are found in the pages of Scripture, and two of them are found right here in our church service this morning. First one I want to tell you about is a 13-year-old teenage girl. Life was busy. She was in junior high. She was in sports and athletics and a cheerleader and doing well in school. And life was going pretty good. She had parents that loved her. She was uh, raised in church. She knew about God. She knew God. But then tragedy struck. And her mom was diagnosed with cancer. It so affected this 13-year-old girl that she shut herself off. She locked herself in her bedroom. When she'd come home from school, she'd go into her room. She didn't want to talk to anyone. She didn't want to talk to her parents. She didn't, she cut her friends off from her. She didn't want to go to church. She didn't want to see anyone because she got angry at God. She said to God, why? How could you do this to my mom? She served you my whole, her whole life. How could you bring cancer on her, and she felt abandoned by God. Weeks, even months went by, angry, sullen, internalized all her pain and not willing to let anyone come in and reach out to her. But one night when she couldn't sleep, crying in her bed, she cried out to God and said, God, are you there? Do you even know me? Do you even see me? And she heard God say, open your Bible. Just open it, put your finger on the page, and read the Scripture. She opened the Bible. She put her finger on the page. And it turned to Psalms 56, verse 8. And the Scripture said, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one of them in your book. She knew at that moment that God heard her. She knew at that moment that God saw her tears. She knew at that moment that God was a personal God and that God had not forgotten her. And she turned to God and she said, God, I'm going to serve you. Every day I'm going to read my Bible. Every day I'm going to walk with you because you are a God that knows me. If you didn't know, that, daughter, that girl, that 13-year-old girl was my daughter, Rebecca. She has spoken before thousands of people since then. She has used her testimony around the world to tell others that there is a personal God that knows you, that loves you, that, that fights for you. That was the first woman that I wanted to talk to you about. The second woman was a slave girl. This young girl, we don't know a lot about her story. We don't know how old she was. If she was a teenager or a young adult. We just know that she was a slave. She was taken to a foreign land. Maybe her parents sold her into slavery. Maybe she was taken captive in a war. Maybe she was kidnapped. We don't know how she ended up in slavery as a slave girl. 
But we do read in the pages of Scripture some of her story. She had a, a, a master and his wife that had no children. They were barren. His master's wife was upset because God had promised her a child, and here she was getting old and advanced in years and still had had no children. And one day she got this brilliant idea to give her servant girl to her husband so that maybe she could have a child by him. We don't know if this young girl said, I'm, I'm for that, I'm good with that. We don't know if it was against her will. We don't really know that part of her story. What we know is that the master slept with her. She got pregnant. And then the master's wife got jealous. It says that she abused her. We don't know if with fists. We don't know if it was with words. We don't know what happened. But it was so bad that she ran away. And she ends up out in the desert all alone, pregnant, all by herself, no way to provide for herself, no way to provide for her child. And she is sitting under a tree, and she feels like God has abandoned her. Let's pick her story up there in the Bible. Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. He said, go back to her and be her slave. Then he said, I will give you as many descendants that no one will be able to count them. You are going to have a son and you will name him Ishmael, which means God hears because the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. This young servant girl, this young slave, she was running. She was out in the desert all by herself, and God appeared to her and said, just like God spoke to Rebecca, he said, I see your tears. I hear your pain, and I am a God that sees you. I am a God that wants to rescue you and save you. I want to tell you about another woman. This was an older woman, and what we know about her story, she was married. She had two sons. She, her and her husband moved to a foreign land. They had a business they were able to take care of and provide for their family, and they were living there, and life was going pretty good for her. She, had a, she, she was doing well. But one day, her husband died. And she is in this foreign land with her two sons, and she is um, trying to make ends meet and trying to provide for her sons. And they grow up, and they get married, and life is starting to come back together and starting to do better, and then one of her sons died. And then another one dies. And she told her daughters-in-law that it was as if God had raised his fist at her. And he, she said, get away from me because my life is cursed. There is nothing I have to offer you. Get away from me. Go back home. Leave me alone. Because God has made my life bitter. 
This woman's name was Naomi. And you read her story in Ruth 1, verse 20. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon my life? You know, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when we don't understand what's going on, often we want to isolate ourselves. That's what Naomi wanted to do. She just wanted to hide. She just wanted to curl up, and she just wanted to die. She thought her life was over, that her story had been written, and this was the end of her story, and there was nothing else in her life that she had. But God saw her. But God heard her. And God even sent her a daughter-in-law that said, you're not getting rid of me so easy. You're not going to send me away because I am making an oath right here before God that wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you stay, I'm going to stay. Your God is going to be my God. Your people is going to be my people. And God, even in this daughter-in-law, who was a widow, provided for Naomi. They went back home to their land, and they had to figure out a way to provide food for their table. And, and, and Ruth went out into the fields and started reaping along with the harvesters, and she met a man by the name of Boaz. And we're going to pick up her story there in chapter 4 of Ruth. It says, so Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Now, Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast. She cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. And he became the father of Jesse, who was the grandfather of David. Naomi only thought her story had been written. She only thought that the end of the story was not she lived happily ever after. She only thought that it ended there, but God had another plan. Her story was still being written, and what I want to tell you here today, you are here because your story is still being written. You don't have to stay in the crap that you stepped in. Now, last night, they gave me permission to say it today. Every one of us in this room have either stepped in it or will. And we have a choice. Let me tell you, bad things happen even to good people. Things happen in life because we live in a fallen world, in a sin-stained world where death and dying is a part of this world. It was because Adam and Eve signed over our rights to the devil, and he became the God with the little g of this world. Sin, pain, suffering, it's the thief that brings that, not God. 
God has come to give us life and that more abundantly, but we still are dealing with an enemy that is trying to destroy us, that's trying to, to end our story on a sour note rather than to end it on a victorious note. We serve a God who sees us. Psalms 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. No matter how dark it looks, no matter how alone you feel, no matter how hopeless your circumstances are, he is the God who sees. He sees you. He sees you in your pain, in your struggles, in your distress. Psalms 94.9 says, he's not deaf. He is not blind, but he sees you. Let's read verse 17 of Psalms 34 says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. God wants you to know he's heard your cries. His ears are not deaf. Your prayers are not bouncing off the roof. Sometimes we ask, well, God, why does it take you so long to answer my cry? Why is it taking you so long? For the children of Israel, it was 600 years in bondage, in slavery, in misery. They had done no wrong to end up in Egypt. Egypt was supposed to be a place of rescue and of provision. It turned into bondage and slavery. And they're there. They're miserable. They've been crying out to God for 600 years. But let me tell you, it says that God was waiting on the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all of the other ites. He was waiting to see if they would repent, to see if they would change their hearts so that he would not destroy them. So they were suffering, the, the Israelites were suffering because of God's mercy, not because God was a bad God. Second Peter 3, verse 8 says, there is no difference in the Lord's sight between one day and a thousand years. To him, the two are the same. The Lord is not slow to do what he has promised. Instead, he's patient. Sometimes God doesn't answer in the way we wanted him to or in the timing we thought he should. And because of that, we are like Naomi and we accuse God of not being good. We accuse God of being unfaithful. We accuse God of, of, of not loving us. And yet we don't know the whole story because our story has yet to be written. The rest of our story has yet to be told. He is the God who sees, he is the God who hears, and he is the God who saves. Psalms 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. Good people suffer many troubles, but the Lord saves them from them all. The Message Bible puts it this way, if your heart is broken, You'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. The voice translation says when someone is hurting or brokenhearted, the Lord moves in close and revives him in his pain. Hard times may well be the plight of the righteous. They may often seem overwhelmed, but the Lord 
Say, but the Lord. He rescues the righteous from what oppresses them. We face hard times in this life. He gave me this example. And sometimes we step in crap. And we have a choice. When we get in the middle of an awful situation, we can get stuck in it. Let it cement our, our feet into the middle of that crap. We can wallow in it. I don't know about you, but I watch my son's dogs, and this one little dog of his, whenever she smells something dead, she just goes and wants to rub herself all in it and get all in it. Or number three, we can pick it up and use it as a weapon to throw it back in the enemy's face and say, you messed with the wrong woman. You messed with the wrong person. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I stepped in some pretty big heap of pile of crap. And I had a choice. Cancer took my hair away. It took my fingernails and toenails away. It took some other body parts away that they, through surgery, I was a year and a half of treatment of chemo, radiation, surgery. It was an awful, awful path to walk down. But when I was diagnosed with cancer, I had a choice. Get stuck in that identity, wallow in self-pity, or get determined to pick it up and use it as a weapon. And I chose that the enemy messed with the wrong woman, that I was going to fight back with everything I had to make sure something good came out of my pain. I started writing articles and writing a blog. I started traveling even in the midst of chemo around the world telling women that they are not defined by their outward appearance, but they are defined by a loving God who has said that they are more than conquerors. I was determined for every sleepless night I went through it, every, every uh, night of pain and of sickness that I went through that I was going to win more people for Christ. I was going to tell more people about God. The enemy messed with the wrong women, and I chose to win and not be the loser. I chose that I win and he loses. And we have that choice when we step in it. When we face difficult times, we can get stuck. We can wallow in it or we can make it and turn it into a weapon to be used. I want to tell you about one more woman. And this woman, her daughter at the age of 22 was diagnosed with cancer. She just had a baby, and while she was in the hospital after the baby was born, they discovered the cancer. She lived about a year, painful year, two little children. Her husband and her were Christians, loved God, served God. Their life was a ministry used by God. She was one that would lay in that hospital bed when she was in pain and still be a witness and tell others and pray with others. And she was determined, this daughter, to serve God even in the midst of it. 
And my goodness, so many people prayed. We prayed, we believed, we fought we, that she was going to be healed, that she was going to be saved and rescued in that way. And then she died. And her mama was left with a decision to make. Is she going to get angry? Is she going to turn her back on God? Was she going to get mad at God? Was she going to walk away? But her mama's one of my heroes. Diane, you're one of my heroes. She just went this week to Georgia to be trained to start a cancer support group here in Texarkana so she could help others that were walking through what she walked through, what her daughter walked through, and to give them the support they need. And she was telling me, as she was walking through the airport, there was delay after delay, and she would sit by this person for this season, and she was praying with this person, and then with this person, and another person on the plane, and when she was waiting in line for the rental car, she was praying with someone else. She she has decided to use what the enemy meant for destruction and turn it into a weapon to be used to help others so that the enemy would lose and that she would win. And Diane, thank you for being my hero. Thank you for not giving up and quitting. Thank you. We have a choice. I want you to know that this room is full of heroes. A.W. Tozer said, we can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day. But remember, at the time, they didn't know they were heroes. You may say today, I don't have it in me. I don't have the strength. I don't have the courage. I don't have the faith. I don't have the ability to be a hero. But this is what I know. The heroes in the Bible weren't heroes because of anything they were or they did. It was because the Spirit of God was living inside of them, and they chose to trust God, to give their life over to God, and the Holy Spirit empowered Samson to push down those pillars. The Holy Spirit empowered David to sling that slingshot and, and knock out Goliath and then chop off his head. The, it was the Spirit of God that made them heroes. And all they had to do was say, here am I, God. Here am I, God. I'm going to trust you in this. I am going to walk through this with you. You know, we want God to rescue us from the valleys, the deepest, darkest valleys, the valley of the shadow of death. But his promise is that he'll walk through it with us. Sometimes we've got to go through those valleys. Sometimes we're going to be there in the midst of it, but we can camp out in it. We can say, this is my new home. Or we can let the Holy Spirit go with us. His rod and his staff comfort us. And he will take us to the other side. And then he says, he will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemy. So the enemy thought he was going to win a victory, and instead, God is honoring us on the other side of that valley. He's preparing a table. He's anointing our head with oil. We go through difficult times. as Even as Christians, the enemy attacks us because he wants to stop God's plan and purpose in our life. 
And if we give up and quit, he wins. If we turn away and, or if we turn our back on God and walk away, he wins. But if we say, God, I'm going to still trust you. God, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why this happened. And I don't, I, the pain is so great. And I don't know what to do with it. But God, I'm going to trust you to walk me through this and come out. This room is full of heroes. You just don't know it yet. But neither does the world. But this is what I know. Your story isn't over yet. It ain't over yet. Your story is still being written. And as of today, you can make a choice to become a hero and not a loser. You can choose to become a victor and not a victim. You can choose to be empowered by God's Holy Spirit and not wallow in pity and pain. You can make a choice. Nobody can make it for you. Hagar could have died in the wilderness and said, God, I'm not going back to that woman. She was cruel to me. She was not fair to me. I'm not going back there. But she obeyed God. She went back. And God blessed her with a son, blessed her with generations of people, blessed her with many, many grandchildren. Naomi could have stayed in her bitterness and pain, could have rejected Ruth's help, made Ruth leave. But Naomi took a chance. We have a choice. Get stuck, wallow, or get back up, turn it into a weapon, and fight the enemy of our soul who wants to destroy us, who wants to destroy the plan and purposes of God in our life, who wants us to be, it doesn't mean we won't go to heaven, but we'll just go to heaven broken. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I want God to say, well done, Good job. You stayed the course. You didn't give up and quit. You didn't. You didn't allow the enemy to defeat you. Crap happens. I don't ever use that word except for in church. He is the God who sees you. He is the God who hears you. And he is the God who saves you. And you have a choice. And my prayer today is that you will allow God to save you. You will allow God to rescue you. You will allow God to pour in that, that oil and that wine, that healing balm into your heart. This week I got a little blister a little um, infection in my arm. It was like a boil. And I kept covering it with a Band-Aid. I kept putting some ointment on it, and I kept trying to, to, to doctor it myself. But I've gotten some boils that I couldn't do anything but cringe when somebody would come anywhere near the boil. Have you had one of those? It's like, you're so afraid they're about to touch it. And if anyone touched it, it shot so much pain through you. And you're protecting it. And you're 
guard, trying to guard it, and it's just getting more and more festered and more and more full of pus. But this is the word of the Lord to you today. God says he's the great physician. And if you will give him the boil of pain that you have, it's filled with bitterness, that's filled with pain, that's filled with disappointment, that's filled with questions, that's filled with all of the, the whys and the what ifs and the, all of that. If you will allow him to use his scalpel to just lance it open, to allow that pain to be released. And God says, I will bring healing to you. You may have a scar, but you know what? I have some scars, one on my forehead and some that you'll never see, but I use them to tell others, and I use them as a weapon. Jesus used his scars and said, look at my hands, look at my side, feel this. He used them to be a testimony. You can use your scars. And you know, eventually when people touch them, they won't hurt so much. When circumstances, you know, jar you and touch your scar, it, it's, it's not so painful anymore. Because God comes and heals. We're going to bring the worship team forward. I want you to know that God knows you. God sees you. God hears you. And today, God is saying, I want to rescue you. I want to save you. I want to bring healing to your heart. I want you to know that I'm a good God and that I love you. We're going to sing, go back into the song, and I want us to take a minute and just close our eyes as the worship team sings over us. And I want you to search your heart, and if you're saying, God, I'm ready for you to lance my boil. I'm ready for you to do some spiritual surgery and take away and release the pain, release the infection, release the bitterness. I'm ready, God, because I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I've tried to heal it myself. I've tried to deal with it. I've tried to protect it. I've tried to hide it. But God, I'm ready to be healed. And I'm ready to use that crap as a weapon against the enemy so that I can help bring, be a healer to others. You have
eyes closed for just a moment. And I want to ask you, if you're here and you want to say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I can't heal this myself. I'm ready for you to come and do some spiritual surgery in my heart to bring healing, to let go of the unforgiveness, to let go of the bitterness and the pain, to let go of the questions. I'm ready, God, for you to come. If you'll raise your hand, I want to pray with you. If you're here and you're saying, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I see your hands. I see you. Lord, I just want to pray for each and every person that's here today that is struggling, Lord, with the pain and the hurt, not understanding, God, where you were and, and, and why this happened and what, how to get out of this mess. But God, I thank you that you said that you see them, that you've heard them, that you were right there beside them. And I pray today that your healing balm would come and would bring healing to that boil, to that fester, to that pain in their life. And that you would help them in the midst, Lord, of that situation. That you would help them to get unstuck from it. That they would be able to get beyond, Lord, their feet being caught in that spot. And that you would help them to determine that what the enemy meant to destroy them, that they are going to use it as a weapon to defeat him. That they are going to use their testimony to help others. And I pray that with the comfort, Lord, that you would give them today and you would give them tomorrow and the next day and the next day, that then, Lord, they would learn and use it to be able to comfort others. Lord, I just pray. God, we can't. Sometimes we can't heal our heart. Sometimes we can't heal our emotions. Sometimes we can't do it on our own and we need you. And God, that's what we need today. We need your power. And I thank you, God, you're here to save. You're here to heal. You're here. And we say we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We're going to do two things now just before we dismiss. The first thing is if you are here today and you came and you say, but I don't really know this God you're talking about. I've never known him personally, but I think I want to know this God. If you today want to make a decision to follow God, to know him personally, or maybe you're that person who has ran away from God, that has hidden from God, and you're saying, it's time to get back on track. We want to pray with you. And I want to invite you, come to the cross because we'll have people there that will pray with you and help you make that decision to follow God. And then the second thing we want to do is we want to pray over all of the moms that are here today. Whether you are pregnant, whether you have children that are here with you or your children are not here, whether you have wanted to have children. Maybe you've had miscarriages. Maybe you've been had infertility, but you have a desire to want to have children. I want to invite you to come to the altar because I want to pray for you. We have a gift that we want to give you. So as they go back into this song, if you want to make a decision and a step to follow God, come to the cross. If you are a mother here or you are a woman here that is wanting to be a mother or has a heart to help 
children. Maybe you're an untraditional mom. You just help your neighbor kids. You help your nieces and nephews. I want to invite you, come to the altar because I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you and I want to give you a gift. From your side, wherever I go, you find me. And you know to be here in church, if you have little ones for bringing your children to church, good job, mom. I know many of the moms that are here, and I watch you as you are raising your children to know and to love God, as you are teaching them, as you are training them. Maybe you have teenagers or your children are off at college. Maybe you have grown children with grandchildren. I travel the world, and I ask this question often where I go. How many of you are in church today because of a praying mom? And when I look out over the congregation, over 60% of the hands are raised because there was a mama in their life that was praying for them. And I want to say to you moms, well done. Good job. But I also want to talk to you moms that maybe have some pain. Maybe when your children were little, you weren't serving God. Maybe you weren't making the best choices in your life. Maybe you don't have a relationship now with your children and they are away from you and you have fear and regrets and you, you wish you could go back and do it all over again. What I'm going to tell you today is you don't have to go back. You just start today. And you may not be able to contact your children or talk to them, but you can talk to God about them. You can still pray for them. You can still intercede for them. And you can still believe that God will help your children. Those of you that have prodigals, you, you pray. Don't you give up and don't you quit. My grandmother prayed to her dying breath for her children, her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren. My grandmother had four sons that didn't serve God and a husband who was a mean drunk. She prayed and she prayed. And the year before my grandfather died, she saw him baptized in the baptismal tank. She has saw all four of her sons serving God, loving God. Her daughter, my mom, she was in the ministry, but her sons were away from God because she didn't give up. 
she didn't quit. And moms, I wanted to give you that. Uh, Abraham Lincoln wrote, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Moms, you make a difference. You make a difference. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to follow God. Thank you. And don't let the regret stop you or freeze you in the past because the story ain't been written yet. It ain't over yet. You can still see your children, your grandchildren loving and serving God. Your prayers make a difference. I want to pray over you and then we've got a gift for you because we want you to know you're loved and that you're not forgotten. Lord, I pray for these moms. And I thank you for each woman that is here today. Those that have the heartache of infertility or that have miscarried or lost children, I pray you would heal their hearts, that you would restore them. I pray for those, Lord, that have prodigals in their life or that are that are estranged from their children, that, God, you would bring restoration and healing and you bring these prodigals home. I pray for those with small children that are raising their children up. And sometimes life is harried and sometimes they feel like they don't know what to do. But, God, I thank you. You're going to be right there with them, helping them with peace and with joy and with training and, and disciplining and raising their children up in a way where they will know you and follow you. God, I bless these moms, and I pray that they would know that they are seen, they are heard, and there's a God that loves them and knows them personally. I bless these moms in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, moms, we got a gift for you. Enjoy. Flowers bring a smile to my face, and we're going to go back in song, and you are dismissed.